Hello, I'm Kevin, and as always, welcome to Can't Make This Up, a history podcast where I sit down with authors and historians and just chat a little bit about history. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in today, Um, and I want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening throughout the year. Uh, This is the last episode of 2022, uh, taking a little break for Christmas and New Year's. Uh, but, uh, like a lot of people, uh, I got my Spotify wrapped, uh, an email about that. And as a podcaster, it tells me some really interesting insights. Uh, this year, um, I put out over, uh, 800 minutes worth of podcast content, uh, which comes out to be like 13 plus hours. Uh, and you guys, you guys listen to it. Um, over over 500 of you uh, who listen, uh, this show is in your top 10, uh, which just blows my mind. Um, and there's uh, 28 of you who can't make this up is your number one podcast. Uh, crazy bastards. But uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, it's really good to know. I mean, I see download numbers, but it's kind of hard to tell if it's just people dipping in and out because they're interested in the subject or they were looking up the author and they found found me, or if it's people that are fans of the show and they keep coming back. Uh, so it's really helpful to see uh, that so many people are engaged and are liking um, liking the things that I'm putting out. Uh, so I just want to say uh, thank you so much. I'm I'm very very appreciative. Uh, well, uh, that's kind of my wrap for the year. So let's talk a little bit about what we're gonna discuss today. My guest is Alexander Rose. Uh, Alexander has kind of made a bit of a niche for himself in writing, uh, as he calls yield espionage. He writes about. Uh, espionage, uh, much older history of espionage, uh, pre-20th century. Um, he wrote a book, very popular a number of years ago, called Washington Spies, uh, and that uh, became the AMC series Turn. Uh, and he's come out with a new book called The Lion and the Fox. Uh, this book, which we're going to talk about today, and I think it's the first time we've ever dealt with a, uh, a book on the American Civil War before, uh, but in this book, he profiles two characters, uh, Thomas Dudley and James Bullock. These are two rivals representing the North and the South, and they engage in this uh, po- this uh, spy game that plays out on the streets of Liverpool, uh, kind of, uh, you know, under the noses of the authorities. So it's, it's a really interesting story, very captivating story. And so I'm really grateful to Alex that he took the time to talk to me about it. Um, we had a lot of technical difficulties trying to make this happen, and he was he was a great sport. So thank you to him for that. But uh, without any more uh, ado, here is my conversation with Alex Rose. You can't make this up History podcast Bringing you strange but true Things from the past It's not the average history That you learned in school We're bringing you the heroes And bringing you the fools And stories that are just too Crazy to believe The stranger than fiction And super
Hey, welcome to Can't Make This Up. Uh, my name is Kevin, your host, and my guest today is uh, Alex Rose. Alex, how are you? Well, I'm uh, fine. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you on. Um, uh, if you would, uh, tell us, uh, listeners, a little bit about your background and your uh, previous work. Uh, well, you may have noticed that I uh, speak with a slightly strange uh, accent, and uh, the reason for that is that I was I was born in New York uh, many many uh, moons ago, and uh, but I went to school in Australia and uh, then in England, and I worked there for a long time uh, until I finally got back to or sort of circumnavigated the uh, the 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 Anglo Anglospheric world. And uh, got back to uh, got back to the U.S. about I don't know twenty years ago or so. So I've been in I've been in New York ever since. Um, as for my previous uh, work, uh, I think this is the book uh, the the line of the fox. I think is my uh, sixth sixth book. Um, uh, it's my sort of second book, I think, on actual that you know sort of intelligence history. You know, serious intelligence history. Um, you know, I I sort of jump around subjects quite a lot. So I've written about I think the last book was uh, about zeppelins and airplanes and uh, that that struggle for mastery in the air. And I've written about technological history and uh, military history and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, intelligence history is actually my my I guess my first love. I guess you could call it. Um, mm -hmm. So this is uh, this is I I I, li I like to think of this as the kind of sequel to uh, Washington Spies, which took place during the War of Independence. And this one's a this one's more of a, a civil war uh, story. Okay, and if uh, listeners uh, haven't read Washington Spies, they definitely should, uh, but they uh, will probably recognize that as being the inspiration for the AMC series Turn. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was, uh, uh, I kind of fell into it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I was the, I was a writer and, and a producer on Turn, uh, Washington Spies for for uh, several, of the, I think, uh, for the four seasons it was on, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, you know, this book is, uh, I think this book is a, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit different from Washington Spies. Washington, Washington Spies, um, though I, I like it, you know, it's a bit more of a, you know, it's a little, little bit more of a, a heavier read, I think. Uh, whereas with The Lion and the Fox, I said, you know, I'm going to just tell uh, a kind of an adventure story and I'm going to tell it fast and I'm going to, you know, make it dramatic and all this kind of stuff. So it's a slightly different feel. To this book um so you know maybe your maybe your readers will agree i i, I hope they do yeah I, I found it to be a you know a very accessible read and it's very fast-paced and it, it it has a novelization quality it feels very much like a like a jason bourne or george smiley uh book. <laughs> um yeah i mean it's not it, it, i think i took some well i i to tell you the truth i, I kind of learned quite a lot from working in tv on on turn for 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 those years um i mean i think you know the the style of the books has changed since no, since learning a little bit more about drama and uh you know how to how to kick off with an exciting cold open and uh you know setting the scene and switching scenes and perspectives and all that kind of stuff while of course keeping to the you know the historical documentation and the archives and all that kind of stuff um so it's a, it, you know, it is, it is, I guess it, it's not really novelistic. I think it's more, it has some of a novel's, um, sort of, a, of a novel's perspectives, I think, I, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, well, let's set the stage for this story. Um, so for starters, 
um, you know, much of the book takes place in in the UK. Um, so what was Great Britain's take on watching its former colony uh, descend in the Civil War? Because I, I think for a lot of listeners, learning about the Civil War is very uh, American centric. Um, so what was that? So what was their take uh, from abroad? Uh, it's actually very interesting because, I, you know, like 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 I think most people, you know, I'd always I'd always sort of seen the Civil War in terms of the blue and the gray and Gettysburg and, you know, Aunt Lee and Grant and all this kind of stuff. So switching uh, locations uh, to to England, um, or, you know, in, 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 in particular, the city of Liverpool, the mightiest port on Earth, and as well as a bit of London, um, you know, it, it really it, it, you, you, you sort of realize that there's all these sort of rather hidden dimensions to the war. But to get back to the question, the British, in just generally speaking, the British reaction to the outbreak of the Civil War was one of complete bemusement and befuddlement. Nobody could really understand what they were fighting about. They um, there was one, uh, you know, quite large group of, of uh, of Britons, including you know many of the new major newspapers, uh, who were you know very quite pro-Southern, uh, mostly for economic reasons, but um, you know and 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 also because they thought that well you know there was also a, a romantic attachment to the idea of you know rebels against the central authority kind of thing. Um, they weren't big fans of of Lincoln or the Union. Uh, one reason being is that you know Lincoln was a, a tariff man. And, uh, you know, that was getting in the way of their profits and they were kind of annoyed about it. And, uh, you know, and so there was there was that sort of group. And I should I should say that I don't think there's really anyone who who, uh, you know, publicly said, well, uh, you know, or, or was it was in favor of slavery. I mean, most I never really read anything about that. Um, I think it was mostly to do with they, they just kind of assumed that. You know, if they didn't fight, the whole issue would kind of go away after a while. That was basically give it a give it a generation or so, and then it would the whole slavery would wither on the vine, and then they, we could get back to business as usual. There was a, a a smaller faction who really did think that the the war was about slavery. This was a very small kind of radical, um, religiously dissenting group of of uh, you know mostly ministers and 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 uh, various uh, churchgoers who. Uh, you know, who were staunchly abolitionist from the very, very beginning, but they weren't really listened to. Um, another group, and this just illustrates how confused everything was there. Another group basically thought, um, well, the Southerners were just a bunch of, you know, spoiled little boys who were taking their toys and went home because they didn't get what they wanted. Um, and on the other side, there were a lot of people who were quite pro-Northern in a way, uh, mostly because they just thought, you know, it would make it easier to, to deal with one government rather than two. Um, and but in general, they they kind of thought that this was one of their another one of their rancorous colonial cousins, you know, inexplicable wars. And so you have Lord Russell, who was the foreign secretary at the time, advising the prime minister, saying, look, I don't really under I'm paraphrasing. Like, I don't really understand what this is all about, really. Um, but for God's sake, let's just keep out of it. And that was that that was the the attitude that informed the declaration of British neutrality at, at basically the uh, the um, the outbreak of the war. And that's that's a key part of the book is is 
you know, the South wanted to bring Britain into the war on its side in a kind of an Anglo-Confederate Union. And the Union under Lincoln wanted to keep the British neutral because they knew that that put pressure on, on the Southerners. So there's, there's, it's a very, Britain was the, you know, the world's hyperpower at the time. And so it was very important what the Royal Navy did. And <laughs> so that's one of the cruxes of the book is this, is this struggle to either keep Britain in or keep it out. It's very, it's a, it's a very important part of the, uh, of the story of the civil war, which you don't often hear. So the, the subtitle of your book, which which I don't think we've mentioned yet, uh, Two Rival Spies and the Secret Plot to Build a Confederate Navy, um, you know, really focuses around two uh, characters here. So tell us about the the first, the the, the Unionist. Who is, who is Thomas Dudley and, and how did he end up in Liverpool? Uh, great question. Again, that, that, sub, that subtitle is a bit of a mouthful, but we had to fit a lot of information in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, okay, you know. Uh, but Thomas, in short, Thomas Dudley was a, you know, was a, a, the son of a modest Quaker farmer from New Jersey um, and who died, you know, his father died very when he was young. And so he worked on his his, you know, widowed mother's farm with his siblings. Uh, you know, he put himself through school. He joined uh, a local attorney's office to get you know, to be apprenticed there. Um, and, you know, so he had a very kind of quiet you know, kind of respectable job as, you know, an, a, you know, a lawyer in in, uh, in New Jersey. What was interesting about Dudley, I mean, there were many things that were interesting, but one of the things that was interesting was that as a, as a very strict Quaker, uh, he had, I mean, long before, you know, this, had be, this became more common, he had an, he had an extreme aversion to slavery. I mean, he really was a dyed-in-the-wool hardcore abolitionist uh, and there would be he brooked no dissent about this uh, and this wasn't just him him you know chattering and talking about it he would actually disguise himself in what he he thought was a a sort of a southern slaver's outfit which basically consisted of a whip a couple of guns and a and a, and a cowboy hat of, of, of sorts <laughs> and he would <laughs> he would go down below the mason dixon line a great danger to his own life and he would try to rescue, uh, you know, blacks who'd been kidnapped from across state the state lines and bring them and either buy them or just uh, bring them back to their homes, including some people, some, uh, some who had, who'd worked on his mother's farm. This was a, you know, this was a dangerous line of work he was in. Um, and so, you know, he did that and that was in the, I think the 1840s, early 1850s. Um, a little later on, as we, as we get closer to the civil war, he, you know, he, he enters, you know, Republican politics, um, and he attends the the Republican convention. And he, while he's there, he he performs a little bit of uh, I think deft wire pulling. You know, the old you know smoky back rooms, back stairs, that kind of thing. And he he gets he persuades the New Jersey delegation of which he was a member to back Lincoln over their own man. And this helps Lincoln uh, gain the the nomination, and of course later become president. Now. As a reward for this bit of signal service, uh, Lincoln calls him in and uh, around the beginning of the, the, the of the Civil War, and says, "Okay, Mr. Dudley, you know, thanks very much for your help. Uh, what would you like? Here, here, you know, here's a here's a bauble. Uh, would you like to be uh, the ambassador to Japan, or would you like to be consul to Liverpool?" Um, now, 
diplomatically speaking, being an ambassador is, of course, a much higher rank than just being a consul whose main job is really just to make sure that drunk sailors who run out of money can get home and to stamp passports and to <laughs> escort, you know, lost travelers, you know, and, and find their luggage kind of thing. It's a fairly straightforward, uh, you know, rubber stamp kind of job. Um, but he, uh, Dudley had, had undergone a, you know, a kind of a, a, a traumatic experience. He'd almost drowned in, in, in an icy river and he'd been, you know, when he was counted as dead, he had this miraculous recovery. So he always believed that uh, he was he was meant for something special, that there was a great mission that he must accomplish before he died. Um, and so, but, you know, a practical, a practical nature, his, his health never really quite recovered. So he needed to be near good doctors. And to his mind, there were good doctors in England. It was closer to home. He would just do, he would just do his job as consul to Liverpool for a year or so, which was the usual stint that one did over there. And then he'd be back home and he'd get back to his, he'd get back to his little legal practice. And what he, what happened was, is that he, just in, inadvertently uh, and unwittingly inherited inherited the most critical intelligence posting in the entire world. And that's where the story begins. Uh, as for his antagonist, a uh, fellow called James Bullock, he was, he's, a, he's a very uh, different uh, kind of fish. He was a, he was a Southerner. He was, uh, you know, he came from a rather wealthy, affluent, you know, slaveholding background. Uh, you know, uh, of, of of merchants and and plantation owners and and in Georgia, um, though he himself lived there for only a few years. I mean, I think he went to boarding school in Connecticut or something. Uh, he then joins. Uh, this is twenty years before the war, 20, 30 years before the war. He joins the U.S. Navy and works his way up the the officers' ranks. Um, and he's very very good at his job. He is an excellent sailor. Um, but promotion is slow, and so several, about a decade or so before the Civil War, he resigns his commission and goes to, as many did, he goes to work for a private steamship company where you could make a lot of money, you could become a partner, and you could also sail these brand new steamships that were coming in as part of the, the new technology of, of as the world moved from sail to steam, um, you know, in the years before he retires. He um and you know during that he gains a lot of experience with shipyards and commissioning ships and learning about the design and engineering of ships, which is really useful, which would become very useful later on. Um, Character-wise, unlike Dudley, who had, as far as I can see, no discernible sense of humor whatsoever, uh, Bullock was this real charmer. I mean, he was a real sort of lounge lizard. Uh, kind of designedly aristocratic, um, you know, stylish, charming, you know, all this kind of very patrician. He could talk to, he could talk to lords and ladies, uh, you know, in equal measure. Whereas quick on his feet, he was quick on his feet. You know, he was he was charming and he was funny and ironic and and and, and you know detached. You know, that kind of rather witty kind of fellow. And he, um, you know, he gets recruited. Uh, you know, at the very beginning of the war by uh, uh, Mallory, who is the secretary of the Confederate Navy, which consisted of essentially, uh, well, one ocean going ship at the time. So it really wasn't really wasn't very impressive. Um, he gets he gets he gets hired by him or recruited by him to go to Liverpool to build and commission and acquire a Confederate Navy consisting of blockade runners and commerce raiders and advanced ironclads that would together um, sweep the US Navy from the oceans. 
uh, and help win the war for the Confederacy. So it was a very, very important task. So he gets sent over there. And that's, again, that's part of the story. And then what you have then is that you have Dudley versus Bullock in Liverpool sort of playing, uh, what I like to, I like to, uh, the way I envisaged it was, you remember that uh, from Mad Magazine, that spy versus spy strip of the, the black spy and the, you know, the white spy, they would always- Oh yeah, them. absolutely. It, it, like Tom and Jerry, essentially. But they basically cartoons. chased each other around um you know over the over the course of the civil war and they um you know uh, whereas you know bullock kind of treated it as a bit of a game at least at first dudley always took it deadly seriously and, and sort of vowed to destroy uh this you know this 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 viper in the <laughs> in liverpool whereas um you know uh, dudley uh, bullock just spent most of his time trying to outwit and and uh out out fight and out fox dudley so that's again that's that's the basic structure and um, um and impetus of the book Hey gang, I wanted to take a little break from our conversation today to tell you about the new partner of the podcast, Libro.fm. If you're like me and you have a long commute, or if you spend a lot of time with your AirPods in and you're listening to something, uh, you might enjoy audiobooks, just like I do. Uh, Well, Libro.fm is an audiobook subscription service uh, in which you can get a, a credit for a new audiobook every month. Uh, but also you can purchase additional audiobooks at a pretty decent discount. Uh, and the kicker for Libro.fm relative to other audiobook services is that a portion of every sale goes to support an independent bookseller of your choice. Uh, so it's a great way that you can listen to audiobooks while also supporting uh, independent bookshops. So if you'd like to check out Libro.fm, there is a link for it down in the description of this episode in your podcast app. Uh, And if you want to join up with that link, you can get an additional audiobook credit uh, in your first month. So check out Libro.fm. Now back to our conversation. So I kind of like to imagine Dudley with like a conspiracy board up in his drawing room, you know, with all this, uh, you know, red strings connecting. <laughs> um, so like if that existed, you know, what, you know, without giving away too much of the book, like what would that board look like? Um, that, 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 yeah, he, he doesn't exactly have the old conspiracy board. He has something quite close to it. Uh, and it's part of, it's part of the, the book. Um, it's that when he gets to Liverpool, you have to remember that Liverpool was essentially for Dudley, for any Union man, essentially enemy territory. Liverpool was at, and you know, Britain was quite, as I mentioned before, very pro-Confederate for the first couple of years of the war. Liverpool was way f- further than that. I mean, I think uh, I think it was Bullock who says that when he arrived in Liverpool, there was more Confederate bunting and and flags and so on there than in Richmond. That's how pro, uh, you know, pro, pro Dixie Liverpool was. Uh, there are a couple of reasons for this. One of which was is that they had very long, uh, you know, in the old days they had slaving ties, and in the in the in the 19th century they had cotton ties. Uh, you know, the, the you know Liverpool was the center of the of the world's sort of cotton empire, and it was also it also built more ships than the rest of the world combined. So it was this kind of real trading power of uh, you know that 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 put anything else to shame but this is enemy territory for Dudley and when he gets in there when he first walks uh, walks around Liverpool 
you know, he's he's hated. I mean, he's regarded as, uh, you know, he, he, people are actively conspiring and plotting against him to, to make sure he can't do his job. Whereas Bullock, of course, just swans around, uh, you know, sort of like, own, like just owning the place. So what Dudley does, though, is, is that over, over, it takes him quite a long time, but he eventually just using newspaper articles and using his own spies that he hires and, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, visits to the records and customs house and all this kind of thing. Uh, he very slowly builds up a picture of, of, a, of a secret Confederate network operating in Liverpool of front companies and all of which was centered on, on Bullock, by the way. Uh, they're centered on, you know, centered on companies smuggling uh, guns and cotton and luxuries and um, you know and and money and so forth back back and forth from the from the Confederacy and breaking the block the the, um, the Lincoln's blockade. It is you know it is a major concern. It is a huge cartel that thing that's going on there. But he, he eventually manages to work out who's doing what. And so he compiles. It's extraordinary what he does. Um, he compiles a list of about two hundred and forty companies in Liverpool who are actively working and breaking the, uh, the, 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 the laws of neutrality to help the Confederacy, all of which are centered on, on Bullock, who's the kind of the spider at the center of the web. And that's what he determines that he's going to destroy uh, by hook or by crook. And that's, and, but that, that's what, and so that's what he, he centers on. But it is, it is a kind of a conspiracy board, just, um, <laughs> Of sorts, but this is without the all the little red thread and and the and the, and the manic look. <laughs> Before we had conspiracy conspiracy boards, that's right. But this was actually a real conspiracy. That's the thing, <laughs> right, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, no Illuminati or uh, reptile people <laughs> or anything like that. Um. So uh, again, without giving too much away, uh, can you maybe give us a bit of an example of the cat and mouse games that that played out on the streets of Liverpool? Uh, yes, it's it, uh, again. It was it was. This was a long fought war between Dudley and Bullock, and they are continually trying to outwit each other. And you know, it, 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 they you know, they're you know, Dudley is trying to acquire evidence, legal evidence of Bullock's nefariousness, and Bullock is you know merrily. Uh, you know, outwitting him at every corner, or you know, he's got spies everywhere. Um, you know, he's at here. At one point, he actually has a spy at uh, at uh, Dudley's Lincoln. Uh, no, not Lincoln. His lawyer's office, who's passing him information on Dudley's case building against him. So he knows. It's like it's almost as if Bullock is this magician. He can see around corners, and he he knows what's or a, 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 some sort of psychic. He he is almost as if he knows what Dudley's about to do before he even does it. Um, and so you know Dudley is really struggling against this. And the, the, one of the reasons the book's called The Lion and the Fox is that it's it's actually a a, a quote or part of a quote from or citing uh, uh, Petrarch, and which I think goes um, you know where the lions skin will not fit you must patch it out with the foxes now in this scenario dudley is the lion you know he's stout and he's valiant and he is rigid about his abolition you know, abolitionary abolitionist uh, uh, sentiments um whereas bullock is the the cunning fox 
Um, what happens over the course is that whereas Dudley at the beginning, and I, you know, we just I described this in the book, you know, Dudley Dudley is is you know outdone at every at every turn here. He learns to think like a fox, and he learns to play Bullock's game. And eventually, and I don't think it's any great secret here, but any great spoiler, uh, you know, he 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 beats him uh, hands down and and takes him down um, using his own methods against him. So that's that's part of the uh, you know the, the sort of the spy versus spy aspect of this. But there's a lot of skullduggery, and there's a uh, Bullock has a, a a mole in the Foreign Office feeding him information, and uh, you know Dudley has his own detectives playing you know, going in and trying to infiltrate Bullock's organization. It's all, it's all quite uh, entertaining, entertaining stuff. Alex, this has been a fascinating story, and I, I've loved learning about these spies. Um, particularly, you know, you think of spy, spies and spycraft as more of a modern, at least 20th century thing. It, it's fascinating to, to see it in the di more distant past. Uh, well, I have a, I have a, a you know, I, I find, I find uh, ye old time, historical espionage as i call it more interesting than the modern stuff just because it's you know nobody's really nobody's really excavated a lot of this and so you know i have a substack i i um i write you know, every couple of weeks um called spionage which deals with you know uh, jumps around history with examining interesting cases of of this kind of thing um and so if, if people want to pick up a copy of this book or learn more about your work uh where can they go uh you can well it's coming out on december 6th but you can uh you know i've got a website at alexrose.com which has a list of all of my uh all of my um, the opera of omnia of my uh, of my uh of my books uh there's the substack newsletter spionage um and you can pick it up in all good and okay-ish um bookstops all right well alex thank you so much for um taking the time to speak with me tonight well what do you guys think of this one um, I love this episode I thought this was a lot of fun uh, dueling spies on the streets of Liverpool um, is super captivating uh, I'd love to hear what you think about it uh, there's actually a feature uh, if you're a Spotify listener anyway where if you scroll to the bottom you can tell me what you think um, so I'd love to know your input and your thoughts and uh, you know, any words you'd like me to pass along to Alex, I'd be happy to do that as well. Uh, thank you again to Alex for taking the time to talk to me and work through all of our uh, technical issues. Uh, if you, um, you know, listen to this and you'd like to learn more, uh, there is a link to The Lion and the Fox down in the description of this episode in your podcast app. Uh, there's also, if audiobooks are more your thing, uh, there is a link to the audiobook version as well. Uh, and then Alex mentioned towards the end of our interview um, some links to some of his personal work, uh, his website, his Substack. Um, I've got links for that as well if you want to check those out. Well, this is it for 2022. Uh, we, are, we are done for the year. Um, so again, thank you to everyone in, in apparently in 43 countries across the world. Thanks for listening. Uh, this will be it until probably mid to late January, uh, taking a little bit of time off. Uh, but anyway, after that, I do have some interviews lined up, take me a couple weeks to, to edit them and so forth. But, uh, going to be talking with Buddy Levy, uh, about the history of Arctic exploration. Uh, our good friend, Dean Job's going to be returning to the podcast. He's going to uh, talk about, 
his book on the Acadians and their uh, migration from Eastern Canada. Uh, and then uh, a little further out, we're going to be talking uh, with uh, Patty McCracken about um, a ring, uh, a murder ring uh, of, of several women uh, that use arsenic poisoning. Uh, it's a little bit of true crime on the docket as well. So I'm, so I'm really looking forward to 2023. I think there's there's going to be a lot to look forward to. Uh, and of course, I hope that you'll you'll be there with me for it. If um, if you like this podcast, if you've been a listener or if you're brand new, uh, feel free to to like it on whatever you listen listen to it on. I'd really love a review. I'm trying to build up my review base. Uh, I think a lot of people when they're checking out podcasts, they kind of scroll through and see if it gets decent reviews. And if I have you know kind of not many reviews, it doesn't pop up. So I'm trying to build up that that reservoir of reviews. So if you could drop a review, that would be great. Um, and then if you want to follow the show, uh, I'm on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, newly Mastodon, Facebook as well. Um, so you can follow along, introduce yourself. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, and that's it. I'm going to leave you today with an excerpt from the show's Patreon. Um, periodically with guests, um, most guests, uh, I end up asking a bonus question for supporters of the show on Patreon. Uh, where, you know, they give, give me a little bit extra bonus Q&A, uh, and, and usually those, those um, answers are really insightful. Um, so I asked uh, Alex what it's like trying to research spies, these people who intentionally do not want to be found. Uh, that's kind of, a in a way, a historian's nightmare. Uh, and so he offered a, a great response to that, and so I'm going to leave you today with, with a portion of, uh, of his uh, bonus Q&A. Q&A. And then if you'd like to uh, receive all the bonus Q&As yourself, uh, head on over to the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash cmtu history. Uh, well, uh, with that, I wish you all a uh, very Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, Happy New Year, and I look forward to seeing you all in 2023. Bye. Well, thank you for taking a minute to, to answer a question for, for Patreon supporters. Um, so when you research this book, how do you go about researching the actions of people who operate in the shadows and, and actively don't want to be found? Oh, well, that's the trick. Uh, as, uh, as you'll find with intelligence history, spies are not generally in the habit of keeping incriminating information around, um, mostly because it tends to, if it's discovered, they tend to end up at the, the, the short end of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of the gallows, Right. Uh, which is why it's so difficult to write serious books about, about it, the secret world, as, as I like to call it. Um, in this case, well, in the, in the case of the Washington spies, I was very lucky in that in the fact is the Culper ring, who were the, the stars of that book, you know, they had a, a secret correspondence with George Washington that was about 150 letters that were scattered all around the Library of Congress and that hadn't been looked at in, I mean, I don't know how long, um, and many of which were needed to be decrypted and, and all that kind of stuff. With this book, it was, it was really interesting in the sense that um, Dudley, as the consul, and being a a very good consul, uh, he, every week, even sometimes a couple of times a week, he would compile a report for the State Department, which would go through the London Embassy and be sent to, to Washington. And it's in this, it's in those pages, these very, very long letters um, 
that, that these reports from Liverpool that he would say what he's been doing. And these reports are, I think they're called the, um, uh, you know, uh, US consul dispatches from Liverpool, which have been sitting in the National Archives, well, you know, since, uh, well, I guess since the Civil War, uh, more or less. And, you know, they, I had them, I was very lucky in that I, I, I found them.